a great, of course, it's a true story, story in the Bible, about a young man who was spiritually hungry, seeking eternal life. And one period of time, he went to Jesus and found him, searched him out and found him. And he said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments. I'm reading from Mark chapter 10, and this is verse 19. If you want to follow in your Bible, please do, or if you want to just mark it down and go back to it later, that's fine too. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the young man said, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I've always been one who abided by the commandments. And then Jesus said to him, he looking at him, he loved him, and he said to him, You lack one thing. You've done all these things. You've done everything I laid before you. But there's one thing you are lacking. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Holy Spirit, make your truth very real to our hearts today. Because it is your truth, because it is your word. And what is true to your word, may it pierce our hearts and our understanding. And we thank you for doing that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> the young man was a quite, a quite a good young man. He kept all the commandments. He was a righteous young person. And Jesus said to him, it's commendable that you've done all these things. But there's one thing that you lack. That one thing caused him to miss the blessings of the Savior and miss walking with him in his lifetime. That one thing. How many times have you and I come to a point where God brought something to us? He gave us a word. He spoke to us. He called us. And we decided that it was just a little too difficult. The price was too high. The sacrifice was too great. I can't quite do that. Maybe we said, I'll think about it for a while and see if I can. But we decided we couldn't. When you think about it for a while, that's what happens. This young man went away, and he was sorrowful about it. He really wanted to follow Jesus in eternal life. And he was sorrowful that Jesus said, you lack one thing. He thought he had done everything. Yet he should have known because there was something in his heart that caused him to cry out to God. He cried out, help me, Lord Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And when Jesus told him, he couldn't do it. When he speaks to you and me, and there's just one thing. Usually God doesn't give you a great long list of things and you start checking them off to do them as you walk with him and you declare you want to be his servant. He usually deals with us one thing at a time. 
you do one thing, something else comes. If you do another thing, then he calls you to another step. But always, the right answer is obedience. I've preached on this story of this young man for many times and over the years. And when I have a preacher, I've just used it as an illustration many more times because it's so pertinent. There's one thing you still need to do. How many Christians are at this point? There's one thing you still need to do. I'm not talking about for you to inherit eternal life. We're talking about salvation in a different way now. This is under the Old Testament. And yet it was a true statement of Jesus personally spoken to this young man. If you do this, this will bring you to eternal life. Once you come to Christ, I don't want to confuse you, so I'm putting this in to, to help you. Once you come to Christ, there isn't something else you have to do to be saved. But there's always something you need to do to be obedient. And to be obedient is where you find the victory. If you want to live in the joy of the Lord and in the victory of the Lord, find the path of obedience and do what God speaks to you to do. And some of you are sitting here right now knowing exactly what it is that God's told you to do that you haven't done. You're thinking about it right now. I don't know what it is, but you do. Because God has spoken to you. And when God speaks to you, the best thing you can possibly do is fall on your knees before him and say, Yes, Lord, I will. I will. I will let, not let that one thing, as small or as great as it may be, in my mind, I will not let that one thing stand between me and perfect victory with the Lord. You say you want to walk close to God, to Him, He will tell you you can. And this is what you need to do to make that happen. And it's up to you to do it. It's up to me to do it. I'm, I'm, I haven't lost my thoughts here. I'm trying to decide whether I want to tell you this or not. <laughs> no. I, I, I've been I've been praying for some time about about praying. I've been praying about praying. How can, how do I pray more? How do, I need to pray more, Lord. And God agrees with me. Every time I say I need to pray more, He agrees with me. You're right. You do. And so I said, Well, how, what can I do about this? And 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 over the last couple of three weeks, I would say, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about praying in a certain way. I've told you numbers of times about how I prayed for about two and a half years, about something I, I, I wanted to do something for God, and I, I left all my ministry. I just quit because I we call it retired. It's good if you're retired. I'm glad for you. I was glad for me at first, and then I wasn't glad for me anymore because God was dealing with me. I knew how the God deals with it, but I, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do. I didn't want to go out and preach once in a while. I just wanted to find something I could do for God. And I was hungry for it. So I started to pray. I'd, get, I'd pray early in the morning and pray for it until God took the birth of prayer from me. I'd go to prayer at a certain time at the night, every night, and I would just stay there and pray as long as God led me to pray and as long as the Spirit was upon me to pray. And I did that for a long time, around two and a half years. I wasn't keeping records about what dates and times and at that time, I just didn't keep up with it, but I know it lasted for about two and a half years, and finally, when about the time of our, mine and Carolyn's 50th anniversary, easy time.
trying to remember when I came to this church. It wasn't this church then. It was just a little meeting held over there on Kingsley Avenue with 15 or so people. But I was asked to go over there and fill in for it, so I said, okay, I'll do it. I thought it was just filling in. And all of a sudden, here I am 10 years later still here. And you've come along to join me. Thank you for that. I don't think I could have made it if you hadn't come along. <laughs> I know I couldn't have stayed with that 15 people because I was praying in those days too. But God spoke to me just two or three weeks ago, and I'm trying to put this all together, how I can make it work. I know it's easy enough to do if I'll just make up my mind to do it. I want to pray like I did then. I can't have the same burden then because I don't have the same thing I'm praying for. So it can't be the same burden, and it can't be the same. But, I, but there is something, and this is what I'm seeking. God, what is it that you want to do? And when you let me know that, I'm just going to pray as I did then. But it is a difficult thing for me to bring myself back after all that time to praying like I did then. I can't express to you the burden of prayer. I can't make it clear to you the burden of prayer. I, 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 can't, I can't help you understand what my real agony was at that time. But it was that I have let this time go by in my life that I called it retired. And I feel like I've been failing you, Lord, because I should have kept on in ministry and never stopped. And now I want to find my way back again, and I have nowhere to go. There's no place for me. I can think of all these things you could let me do if you just make a miracle happen and let me be there. And they, but I don't know of anybody that wants me for ministry, and I don't know if anybody wants to give me a place. And I don't know what to do except to pray. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed and kept praying. And the more I prayed, the more the burden was on my heart to pray. And that's... A brief story, if it is, believe me, a brief story of how all this came about, and you're sitting right here today. And I'm at that place again. I want to see God do something that I've never seen Him do. And that will take a lot. I've said to you many times that this, you're not, this is not the largest church I've ever served as pastor, but it's, it's the greatest church, and I still believe that. I believe because of what there is in this church... And because of what there is in this church, we are the candidates for God to move in a powerful way and do mighty, wonderful, miraculous things in our midst because we are praying people and we are believing people and we are serving people. So God bless us. God bless us. I know you will, Lord, because you already are. So, so that's the thing. I'm saying yes to the Lord. I'm just trying to make it work out how to get it done. I'm not going to walk away sorrowful because I can't pray because I don't have time to pray. I'm not going to do like this young man. But I'm finding my way through and seeking the path, how I'm going to get back to the place of actually experiencing that burden. You know, you cannot give yourself a burden for prayer. You have to see the need. You have to feel the urgency. You have to feel the, 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 the move of God, that God's trying to do something and you want to be a part of it. But in coming to that place, I'm going to get back to that place it may not be on the same schedule, I don't know, but it's going to be the same intensity of prayer because God's helping me to get there. I've already started it, and God's helping me to get there. Now, all that I said then was something I planned not to say, so that's extra time. <laughs> let, let, let me get on to the, what I want to say. That, that, that one thing. You don't want to let one little thing it, may, it, it won't seem little to you. It'll seem big to you. You tell somebody else about it, it seems simple, but it seems big to you. You don't want that one thing, though, that one little thing, to stand between you and you're fulfilling the will of God. You don't want that to be a barrier in your service to God. You don't want that to be an obstacle in your fulfilling the will of God. 
So when God speaks to you about that one thing He wants from you, obey it. Obey what God is saying. I want to take you to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. There's a very powerful verse there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And there the apostle writes, Wherefore we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that one phrase that he says, that one sin that so easily beset us, let us lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. I believe that one sin is primarily unbelief because the entire 11th chapter is about the heroes of faith, those who have believed and have stood with the Lord through difficulties, hardships, suffering, and did so in faith until the victory. Hebrews chapter 11 is a wonderful chapter to encourage faith and strengthen faith. And he goes right into the next chapter because, of course, when all this is written, there weren't chapters and verses. It was all one message. And so he speaks about faith, and then he goes on to say, therefore, since we are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, the the great cloud of witnesses is those people who by faith have lived for God and emerged victoriously. And that great cloud of witnesses is watching us, watching over us. And because we are, he said, let us... Lay aside every weight and the sin which easily besets us. The King James Version says, the sin. So it's specific, the sin which does so easily beset us. New King James says almost the same thing. The sin which so easily ensnares us. The New Living Translation says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. The International Version, NIV, says the sin that so easily entangles. But it all says that the sin, it's not just sin, it's the specific sin. The Good News Bible even says the sin. In our language of today, it's translated. It says the sin which holds on to us so tightly. The Amplified Version says the sin again, which so easily and cleverly entangles us. All of them specifically point out that, that word the. The sin that so easily holds us back. Living the, the, the Passion Translation says, So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. I put that in just because of that part that it said, Let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin that we so easily fall into. So let's say that that sin primarily that he's speaking about is unbelief. But there are many other things that can be covered in that one thing that he says we are not to allow ourselves to be entangled with. We can't allow ourselves to be ensnared with this. We can't allow ourselves to be tied up, held back, put in bondage by this sin that we would allow to have a place in our life. That sin of disobeying, not hearing, not responding. That sin of not saying yes to God. That's what the young man did that I read about in the book of Mark. 
And Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor, but go sell what you have and give to the poor. And the young man went away with great sorrow because he had great possessions. One thing he couldn't overcome. I used to say this. I remember from saying it from years and years ago, and I just remembered it. When I would preach on this in the past, I would say it probably wasn't necessary for him to sell everything he had. He needed to make the effort. He needed to start it. But whether he had to finish it and go do it all or not, perhaps God would have led him in a different way. But he had to show he was willing to do it. So it wasn't so much that he had to do all, to give everything away, but he certainly had to show that he was willing to do that. And that was a key reason why he went away with sorrow, because he was not willing to start that process of doing what Jesus had told him to do. I, I, can't, I can't prove that except things I know about the way the Lord works oftentimes. But sometimes when you say yes, the important thing is that you said yes, and then that you follow through. He may say along the way you don't have to go all the way to Africa, but you did have to show me you're willing to go down and be willing to catch the boat or get on the plane and start. You had to show me you're willing. You know, he doesn't, the old song used to, that we used to sing a long, long time ago before any of you were born, said he does not compel us to go. He does not compel us to go. He does not compel us to go against our will, but he just makes us willing to go. So making that start is the willingness that God wants from us. So what is it that stands between you and him? I'm going to come down and, and, and get a, away from some of the, um, and, 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 and tell you some practical things that could keep you from having everything God wants you to have. And these things, if they're in your life, God has already spoken to you about them. I'm not going to tell you something today that you've never heard from God, because if this is in your life, anything I mention now is in your life, he's already talked to you about it. I'm just reinforcing that you've got to do something about it. I'm just reminding you God's already spoken to you about these things, and you need to do something about it. The, living, the, the, the passion translation of that first verse of Hebrews chapter 12 says, I just read it. So we must go, let go of every wound that has pierced us. Let go of every wound that's pierced us. Do you know that's something that will hold you back from serving God and having great victory? Holding on to something that has pierced you, that wound that came to you and pierced you. And most of you sitting here in this congregation this morning know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when I said that, you thought about something that had pierced you as an offense, that had harmed you, that hurt you, that broke your spirit. That it, it was wrong treatment. It was something you should not have had. It should not have been put upon you. But it was. Sometimes it was by the church or the leadership of the church. Sometimes it was by a family member. Sometimes it was by a friend. Sometimes it was by somebody that you were in business with. But there was something that was, that was done that caused you harm and caused you grief and wounded you. And that wound you may still be dealing with right now. And if you are, you're right where you're going to get to with God and no further until you deal with that grievance. Call it an offense. Call it a grievance. Call it a wound. Call it a hurt. Call it whatever you want to call it. But if God can't heal that hurt for you, how can he save you to the point that you can go to heaven and live forever with him? 
if God can't heal that wound that you receive, maybe nothing of your fault at all. But if you still have that wound, it's still open and unhealed and not completely gone. How can you trust God to take you all the way to heaven if you can't trust God to help you get over that grievance? There are many of you sitting right here who've told me things like this. So don't think I've pulled something out to come back and talk to you about it. If I want to talk to you personally about it, I'll go talk to you and say it to you. I'm not talking about anything anybody's told me. But over the years, not just sitting here, but other people, people have told me how they couldn't go back to church because they got hurt in the church. That's like saying I would never go back to the hospital again because they kept me an extra day and gave me wrong medication. A lot of you people sitting right here, you've had that happen to you. I'm talking about going to the hospital to get the wrong medication. <laughs> but that's not a good reason. You know, it's not, it's not a good reason to shun somebody, never have anything to do with them. And if God lays it on your heart to say a prayer for them, never pray for them because they hurt you one time. That's not a good policy to follow. I'm telling you how to have victory today, friends. I'm talking about how you can overcome that one thing. That one thing. Some of you as children were abused. I want to tell you right now, with just a little bit of sign. If you were abused as a children as a child, I'm on your side all the way and everything. I think we ought to go back and find that person to abuse you and string them up. <laughs> Thank you, brother. That's true, brother. Yeah, you're right with me, Colin. You stay right with me, brother. I know you agree with me. <laughs> but but I, I, I have I don't have tolerance for that. But I had to forgive somebody for it, and maybe that's why. So I will say to you, I will say to you this morning, there isn't anything that he's called you to do or spoken to you about doing that you can't do, because he'll give you the grace to do it. That one thing, if that one thing, it may be something else, but it could most, it could certainly, and I think it more likely for everybody is something that happened and I was offended. It pushed me out of the work of God that I was doing. It kept me from doing it. You ought to get back to it. I, I, I was offended, and I just walked away. And I stayed away a long time. I finally came back, but all I do is I just come. Get over it, friend. This is the first sermon in a series of messages under this title, Get Over It. Get over it, friend. Get over it. And don't try to make up for it by offending other people. Somebody said something nasty to me, and I'll see what I can say to somebody else. Don't try to get back at somebody for doing something to harm anybody else. If you've caused an offense, you ought to get forgiven for it by the person that you caused to be offended. If you've been offended, you ought to get over by saying it to the person that offended you. Or just go to God and say, help me, Lord, give me the grace. I need to overcome this so that I can serve you with all my heart. Heal me of it, God, and he'll do it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching for experience now. I know God will do it because I had to have him do it for me. And he'll do it for you as surely as he'll do it for me or as surely as for anybody else. But what is it that God's spoken to you about? Maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't that particular thing, an offense. It could be something else. Has God told you you're too critical? You do too much complaining? Has God told you your wife is right about that? Or in some cases the husband? Only a few 
sometimes it's not. It's right. He's right sometimes. So you've got to stop your complaining and grumbling and griping. Everybody's tired of hearing it anyway. You're the one that's hurt by it. Get over it and be before the Lord in a fresh, mellow spirit, a loving spirit. A loving spirit is not a complaining spirit, a grumbling, griping spirit. You know, I've, I've dealt with this in my life, too. I was a really, I, I went through a time in my long, long time ago. Carolyn doesn't even remember. I hope, I hope she doesn't. <laughs> you know, I could go in and find, I could walk in my house and find something wrong, no matter what, what all was right. I, would, would God finally showed me that was in me? I'll tell you, I, I don't know of anything I ever cr- cried more over and prayed more and got down before God and asked God to help me overcome it, to help me to forget it, and to never let me have a critical spirit again. And he's almost done that. I don't want to go too far with it. <laughs> no, really, really, as far as the people that, uh, I, that, that are part of my life, he has, he has delivered me from that. I am not a critical person. I may say there's some things I'd like to have done differently. I'd like to have them changed, but I'm not going to be a critical person about it and a negative criticism. There's constructive criticism, but most people don't know it. There are some things you can say constructive, but you've got to find the right person to say it to. (laughs) So criticism and complaining. Has anybody here told a dirty joke this last week? Don't raise your hand. Have you said something off color? Told a joke you thought was funny? And some people laugh really hard at it because they're just as carnal. And other people wouldn't have any part of it. They just turned away. You know something that was really... Do you know the the Bible speaks very specifically about that? I'm not even going to tell you where it is. Go look for it in Paul's epistles. Look for it in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You'll find it there. Read on through it you'll find it. And he'll talk to you about the things that come out of your mouth and things that are said that come off your tongue. Not just not just controlling the tongue, but he will talk to you about dirty, filthy speech. So, that leads me to say, does anybody here have a pornography problem? I'm going to tell you, that one thing, I'm talking about that one thing that will keep you from God. The one thing that will stand between you and God. That one thing that will be a barrier in your spirit before the Lord. And this is just one of them. I know this is more a men problem. Sometimes it's women. But it's more a men problem. I know that. But I am going to tell you this. There's nothing that is a hindrance in your life that is sin between you and God that God can't heal. And you come to God with it. He's the healer of all things. And he will heal it. And he will deliver you if you want to be delivered. If you want to be delivered. You know, we used to talk about one thing more than any other. I, I sometimes, I remember things from the old days. And some of you may not, so I remind you once in a while. Gossip. Gossip. You know, gossip when you're telling things you know. Don't really. It may be true. That's not the. That's not the level of it. You may be telling you saying something that's true, but it's still none of your business, and you don't need to be talking about it. You got it. You know what I'm saying? I said a lot of amens from over here. I think because I was looking that way. 
So, <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. But you, may, you let me tell you the truth, but you got no business telling it. It's none of your business. I could put it on the St. Gossip or none ya. None of your business. You got it. So, I heard about one woman that was a ter- terrible gossiper. And she had a neighbor that loved her just as much as she did. One day they were out at the fence, the gossip fence, and they were telling, and this woman was telling a really juicy, delicious and salacious story she had heard. And the other person was just eating it up. And finally she got, she said, this person said, well, tell me more, tell me more. And the first woman said, well, I've already told more than they told me. That's what gossip does, you know. It gets kind of enlarged and stretched out. And I and I apologize. I shouldn't have said she was talking to her. I should, should have said he was talking to him. Because it's just as bad for men and there's just as much of it with men and maybe more so than there is with women. I preach and I preach and I clap my hands as a man. <laughs> so... So that one thing, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that God has dealt with you about? Maybe he didn't just start this week dealing with you. It's been a long time. He's been dealing with you about it. He's been calling on you to make a change. He's calling on you to give this up, to repent of it and get over it. And say, Lord, I'm going forward with you, and I know I can't move forward till I get rid of this. I'll do anything you show me to do. I'll, I'll even go to counseling. I'll pray. I'll even talk to others about it and ask them to join with me and band with me to pray for me to, 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 win the, to win the victory in this. Whatever it takes. Because whatever it takes for you to get over that one thing, you don't want to stand before Jesus and hear him say you like one thing like you did to this young man in the Bible. There's one thing you like and have you act sorrowful because you never did it. You want to find whatever that one thing is. And there may be more than one. But whatever it is that holds you back is holding you back. You may say, well, I'm as far with God. And I know there are people who say this. They think this. They believe this. I'm as far with the Lord as I really need to go. I've I've gone as far with him as I need to go. No, you haven't. When you get to heaven and you walk through the gates and you've been received and your past has been stamped and you're in there for good so you can never get out, then you've done all you need to do. But until then, you still got to grow. You still got to move forward. You still got to get closer to God. You've got to hear the Lord Jesus as he speaks to you by the Holy Spirit. And you've got to listen to him and do what he says to do. That's the way to have victory. And that's the way to spread victory in the friendships courses and in the, in the course of friendship, in the gatherings that we have in the church. That's the way to spread it. Draw closer to him. Find whatever it is that stands between you and God and give it up. If you have something in your nature, it, 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 it is a part of part of your personality. And you say, well, I'd really like to be a little bit different. I know how this is a negative effect. I'd really like to give it up. But my daddy was like this. He's a little bit worse than I am. But he, my daddy was just like this. And he told me his daddy was just like him before him. And it's that old... I started to name ethnic. Well, you said, I've heard people say, it's that old German nature in me. And a lot of them say, well, I'm French. That's just the way I am. Or I'll just stop right there before I get 
trouble me. That's just the way I am. That's the way my folks were before me, and that's the way I am. I want to tell you, I've heard a lot of weak excuses, folks. I have heard a lot of weak excuses. And I've looked at people when they told me things of why they can't change, why they can't do something different. And I'm thinking, why in the world do you think you can't get over that? Of all things. But the worst thing I've ever heard as a poor, pitiful excuse is, that's just the way my daddy was, and I'm the same way. know that doesn't work. You know it doesn't. What you need to be saying is that's the way Jesus was and that's the way I want to be. That's the way Jesus did it and that's the way I want to do it. That's the way Jesus prayed and that's the way I want to pray. That's the way Jesus walked and that's the way I want to walk. And I know by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I can. I can. Because he will give, help me give up anything. One last thing that is impenetrable of my service to God he will move in my life, and he will remove it from me if I will trust God. How many of you believe that's true? How many of you believe that's true? It is true, friend. It is true. Here's a man telling you what I know, and what I, not just what I believe, but what I know, what I've had to do, just what I'm preaching right now. And I have no regrets about any one thing that I've said to God. Lord, I'll, I'll walk home past, and I'll give it up. I'll give it up. I'll start doing it. It may be something that he's not telling you to quit. It may be something he's telling you to start. With me, it's been more things I needed to do than things that I needed to quit doing. But it's all the same thing. When God speaks, whatever he speaks to you about, don't let that one thing stand between you and the great victory God has for you in your life. Amen. Stand with me, please. As you stand with me right now,